This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Baldy's Breakdowns, the podcast, a radio.com sports original. Welcome to the latest edition of Baldy's Breakdowns. It is I, Jason Lockenfora, with my main man, Brian Baldinger. We are ready to start dissecting what we've seen through the first wave of free agency. Blink and it's over. It's it's already over before the league year technically starts. And we also, at the end of this podcast, will talk a little bit about uh, the, the second and third wave of free agency, which is where smart teams really um, make their hay and where you get a lot more bang for your buck. Um, as always, please rate, review, Give us feedback wherever you get your podcast goodness. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere, and as always, the radio.com app. And in this episode, we will certainly give you the very latest on what's going on with the various potential quarterback trades. As always, Baldy will have insight on that. We will touch on Tampa Bay's potentially historic offseason as they keep the band back together. Tom Brady's old team, the New England Patriots, who have a whole new band in town. We'll see how that works out. I have some trepidation. Uh, What the heck are the Raiders going to do at offensive line? Because right now they don't have one. We'll talk about the Chiefs and their offensive line as well. And nobody knows football. Nobody knows the offensive line in particular. Like my main man, Baldy. Baldy, how are you doing, brother? And and happy uh, league year. Yeah. Start opening of the league year, league year day number one, whatever the hell we want to call it. Happy, happy. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, Jason. It's been, it's been like for all of us, it's been an unbelievably busy time. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're preparing for the draft. You're, you're looking at this free agent, you know, in free agency in a world where the cap has been reduced by – you know, a considerable amount of money. Yes. Um, and so that factored into a lot of release of a lot of good players throughout the league. Uh, and then meanwhile, I, I've been taping a new season of film sessions. So we sat down, Kurt Warner and myself, with Jalen Ramsey and Darren Waller and Fred Warner and J.C. Treader and Terry McCollin and awesome. McLaren and others. And it was, you know, I, I just say this to all the people listening. When you talk football with Jalen Ramsey or J.C. Treader or Terry McLaren or Fred Warren, you realize how smart you have to be in order to be an elite player in this league. And when they describe the game and teach the game to you, guys like Kurt Warner and myself who've been around this game our whole lives and have a tremendous amount of respect for it, when we keep learning about the game, that's awesome. Uh, it's great. The, the game is in a lot of good hands. And I know a certain amount, a very small percentage of players um, – you know, kind of give the league a bad name and teams a bad name sometimes. But the guys I just mentioned and others that we talked to, I mean, you're blown away by just how smart they are. And so it was great. I mean, it was it's been a good two days, long days. But, you know, I feel like the uh, 
the, these players are incredibly intelligent and they keep sort of evolving with the game that keeps evolving. And then, you know, the evolution of the game, it shows up in free agency mm-hmm. and how teams build teams, um, you know, and just because you spend a lot of money in free agency doesn't ensure anything. Nope. We, we no. sort of caution all everybody every year about, you know, yep. these teams that win the off season mm-hmm. and where are they in the postseason? You know, it doesn't always trans. It doesn't always translate. Well, no one's made a bigger splash in that regard than the New England Patriots. You have associates and friends in that organization. I do as well. For years, they would sit back and laugh at everybody who's, oh, my mm-hmm. God, they just gave $15 million to a $10 million a year player. Oh, well, we we have a medical fail on that guy, and they just paid him more than he's worth. You know, they, they sat on their perch, which they earned, and they scoffed at the people who tried to win, you know, March 15th. Well, you know, we heard Bill Belichick bemoan in an interview with his buddy Charlie Weiss last year that, well, we're in cap hell and we're in cash hell right now. And, you know, but but we'll, we'll watch what we do. And, and Baldy, they're spending a lot. They're spending a lot across a lot of positions. I don't know that they're getting... Um, generational players by any stretch i mean they're getting good players i I don't they're getting certainly upgrades over the complete lackluster group of skill position players they had a year ago but baldy i i still look at him and say i'm not sure about quarterback i'm not sure about offensive line um i'm not sure about who's getting to the quarterback on the other side of the ball i'm not sure about depth of the d line and i know they have the draft picks as well Bill Belichick, the GM, has not done Bill Belichick, the coach, a whole lot of favors in recent years. And I do have some red flags about what they're doing. I, I'm with you, Jason. I mean, I looked at, you know, let's just start with the tight ends, okay? I mean, they had no tight ends last year. I mean, there was nobody that could catch the ball. No, sir. Run around. So, I mean, they they literally, and, and for a team that always put a premium, you know, on yes, tight yes. ends. I mean, they were the first ones to ever draft two tight ends in the same draft and and elevate their team to a whole new level with Gronk and another guy I won't mention. But, yeah. you know, look, I I like Hunter Henry, but the injury history is real. And so, I mean, he certainly upgrades the position, so we'll start with Hunter. And Janu Smith, I've known him since he was at Florida International. I like Janu Smith, but I'm not putting him in any sort of elite company here. Um, it upgrades the position, but you spend a lot of money there. Yep. All right. The, you know, the, to trade back for Trent Brown, um, you know, I, I mean. Availability, he, right? Availability is I the mean, best ability. Look, if he pulls a calf muscle, that's the world's largest calf. Yeah. You know, it's it's like David in the museum in, you know, in Florence. I mean, it's the biggest calf. So it <laughs> takes a long time to heal, which basically took the whole season last year. And, and that's been. And, and so he was a good left tackle for Bill. When they had Tom Brady and the ball came out in less than two seconds, you know, he's not the best if you got to hold the ball. So, well, you know, they want to run the ball. Okay. With Cam and with their backs, I, you know, Davin Gage, Godshaw, um, you know, you give Henry Anderson a $7 million deal. Like he was a rotational player with the jets. Like he, I don't know if he started Henry Anderson, like he, Matt Junon is a nice player. He's a talented player. But is he a result of the scheme that uh, that Wink ran in Baltimore? Like, I don't know if he's Zadarius Smith and can just go out and win one-on-ones. 
Like I, I don't really right. see that. And you go through the receivers. I mean, Nelson Aguilar was awful in Philadelphia. Rebounded with the Raiders last year, no doubt. Had an upgrade. Uh, Kendrick Bourne. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he looks like he's just been a guy in San yeah. Francisco. I mean, they give all these guys, and they bring Cam back in a one-year deal. So, you know, can they put this all together in a year and get value for all the guys amongst others that they sign and say that they're going to go compete with Buffalo right now? Well, and, and Baldy, I'm old enough to remember uh, 10 months ago when we're in a generational receiver draft and he doesn't have any receivers to speak of. Right. And it's not a good tight end draft. And he's drafted two tight ends. And now, not 10 months later, he's throwing $50 million over the next two years at two tight ends. And, like, again, if anybody else did it, we'd be like, um, homeboy's going to get himself fired. And we know he's this guy can't be fired. But that doesn't mean it's smart business. No, I mean, you would think that if you spent your two third-round picks last year, you know, on David Asiasi and, like, I don't know, in, in Dalton Keene, like, that's going to be – you're going to develop those guys into becoming starters. And now you just paid all this money to two more tight ends. Because what? Because the other guys can't play? I mean, I know that Ozzy Ozzy is, is, is basically a blocking Block. tight end. He's a big guy. I mean, he's just a blocker. But, I mean, you're going to spend all – it's just – I don't know. It, it it seems like they're chasing, you know, good money after bad money, that kind of thing, in a lot of these different positions. And so, in a draft that had 35 receivers last year drafted, 35 like an all time high, and they don't take any wide receivers last year, and then they go into free agency with Aguilar, who's on his third team in three years now, yeah, yeah. and Kendrick Bourne, who, you know, they both they had receivers that were injured last year and missed a lot of time. Um, starting with Debo Samuel, and he doesn't really elevate the passing game at all. I, I mean, I, I think he can run pretty good, but I don't know. Like, I, I, just, I just don't yeah. see a lot of these signings impacting a team right now. And they're an upgrade over what they had. But, uh, you know, you've you got you to show me that. Is Nelson Aguilar going to be your number one wide receiver? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's still a lot of work to be done there. Um, on the opposite end of the spectrum – Tom Brady's current ball club, the Lombardi Trophy winning Tampa Bay Bucks. As we speak right now, uh, Antonio Brown and Indama Kinsu are still on the street. I suspect by the time people actually listen to this podcast product, at least one of them is back in Tampa. I would not be shocked if they kept both. Uh, For those scoring at home, Gronk, he's back. Levante David, he's back. Shaq Barrett, he's back. There was some rumblings that they might have to cut Ryan Jensen or someone else from their offensive line for cap space. Nope. Uh, Godwin, he's back. Uh, Ball, did I miss anybody? Oh, yeah, and Brady got an extension. Yeah, Brady gets the extension. So how in the world, like when I saw, like at the start of, you know, this tampering period on Sunday, we, we did a show at the NFL Network, and I'm looking at Tampa with a negative $7 million to spend. And, and I'm, I'm looking at it, and, okay, you get Brady to come back. We knew that was going to happen. Okay, that's that's understandable. All right, but then you get Levante David, who would have had massive interest yep. on the open market because of the type of player, durability, um, everything that he does. But they get him back. They get Shaq Barrett back. They keep Shaq Barrett and JPP together. 
And look, like the Levante David deal to me doesn't look all that complicated, to be honest with you. No. I mean, they extend them and then they 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 prorated over five years, three years are voidable. Yes. So that they can keep his, you know, his cap number at a very reasonable rate. Same thing with Shaq Bear. Like it doesn't like I know Greenberg and Davidson there, they're you know, they're cap people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're getting yeah. a lot of credit and rightfully so. But they they got all these things done. Like, like, but I think they, I mean, Bruce Arians said to these guys back at the parade, your guys aren't going anywhere. You're staying right here. So to me, look, you have to pay the freight that the money's going to come due. But if I'm Tampa, I'm loading up for a run at it again. You got the quarterback, you, you know, you've got an, an elite receiving core, you yep. franchise tag Godwin, like make a run. Why wouldn't you make a run? Yep. Like keep, keep as many of those guys. And I'm sure that, you know, Gronk, I mean, he'd play for, you know, a cup of coffee right now. Just have as much fun as he had. He doesn't spend any money anyway. No. So, like, to me, like, if they get Antonio Brown back, whether they do or don't, doesn't matter. Right. You know, if they get Big Lenny back, that's great. But they'll go sign James White or somebody. I mean, you know, I, they're in great shape. What fans get too caught up in, Baldy, and I try to educate him in my columns and, and on my radio show in yeah. here, Cash rules cap. This is a soft cap. They want you to believe it's hard because that's an easy out for the teams that don't want to spend. Oh, our heads were tied. I mean, we just, blah, 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 blah. we got all this dead cap. You could go 30, 40 million over the cap with a little bit of tweaks to your contract structuring. And if the owner is committed to keep giving guys money in the present, that is due in the future. And yeah. this is another example of it. The New Orleans Saints, now they had to let a few guys go, but they were on paper at one point, $65 million over the cap. Baldy, they still franchised the guy, right? They still kept the quarterback they wanted to keep. Um, they were the last team, Jason. They were the very last team, uh, the most negative amount of money. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a little – it fluxes a little bit depending on, you know, what day, who you listen to. But, I mean, they were the 32nd-ranked team when it came to available money – for free agency. And they still, I mean, look, we knew Drew Brees was going to retire. Right. But like they they've got the core of their team yep. together. Period. Yep. It comes down to the commitment of ownership. And yep. I I think people need to to keep their eyes on the ball because that that salary cap thing, they can fuck, you know, they can funge that a whole different bunch of different ways. They can it's like a game of three card Monty. They you can say a whole bunch of stuff and it's all true, but it doesn't change the fact that if your owner is willing to, to spend way over the cap. And, and and people yeah. are going to be back in the stands, and that stuff bodes well. And one more thing on the Bucks before we move on. The way all those things are structured is they're all two-year commitments. So okay. if the cap goes crazy in a positive way in 2023, and that everyone you talk to on either side of the ledger, league office or NFLPA, believe, you know, knock wood, barring another well, pandemic, an extra that's where we're headed. Yes, the extra game, the TV money starts kicking in. They'll be dipping into the gambling sponsorships much more by then. Mm -hmm. um, you may have some teams in the position to start putting brick and mortar uh, sports wagering sites in their stadiums. That's so the, just, you know, don't, don't, don't cry for me, Argentina. These guys are all going to be fine, and there's plenty of money for them to spend if they want to spend it. Um, with that in mind, Baldy, we'll, we'll go to the Kansas city chiefs. Um, no offensive line to speak of on their depth chart. As of a week ago, if you looked at, 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 you know, who they had under contract, yeah. um, you would have said, my God, if they had to play a football game today, 
you know, they, they have like Wisniewski and nothing else. Um, now, Tardif comes back from, uh, you know, he, yeah. he will be back on the active roster. Yeah, they, they drafted Lucas Niang yep. in the third round last year who didn't play, opted out because of COVID. But right. I know Lucas. I mean, I do TCU games. Mm-hmm. Like, TCU's had – they had four starting offensive linemen in the Super Bowls three years in a row. So, I mean, they've been – there's been a pipeline of guys coming out of there. Joe Noteboom and, you know, Big V. And, I mean, you go yeah. through the guys that have been coming out. Like this guy, I'm not saying he's going to be the starting right tackle, but he might be the starting right tackle. You know, you got a great coach in Andy Heck. Um, but yes, they went out and signed Joe Tooney to a monster, monster contract. Um, and Baldy, they were trying, they tried like hell to get Trent Williams too. I, I can just tell you, I mean, they weren't willing to eventually give him, you know, $56 million in the first two years of the deal, but they were in deep. Well, look, I, they saw what, you know, what Tampa did, you know, to can to them in the Super Bowl, and they saw Patrick Mahomes running for his life every time he dropped back, and they just weren't going to have that anymore. And so I think Tony really helps them a lot. They did they did sign Kyle Long, which is an interesting yes. sign because yes. you know he just wanted out of Chicago, yes. and uh, and he wanted his body to heal up. I saw him at the Super Bowl last year. He looked like he was. 260 pounds. Now, I don't know if he can get back up to 310 or whatever. Um, I may see him here this offseason. I, I kind of know one place where he might go do some training. But, I mean, you might get a healthy Kyle Long in there um, that could help anybody out. He he could play tackle. He played tackle in college if you need that. Uh, he's got the length and the size to do all that stuff. Uh, and so, look, and I don't know that Mitchell Schwartz or Eric Fisher are complete. Like, I think they had to cut them to get under the cap. Yep. Um, but I think they'll monitor those guys, you know, health and recovery from injuries. And like, I don't think it's a complete foregone conclusion that they never wear a chief uniform again. Agreed. Um, with Kyle, he w- I did work with him at CBS sports network. Now I was remote. I wasn't in studio, but we would talk before and after segments. Um, he looked more like a blocking tight end to me the last time I saw him than um, a, a road grader on the inside. But I know he was yeah. working his tail off, and um, he's committed to this thing. And I, I, I have a feeling that's going to work out uh, just fine. And from what I'm hearing, I think Eric Fisher is probably gone. But um, Mitchell Schwartz, there's a there, the doctors feel like by August he could be in a position where he's feeling good. The back isn't as much of a concern. Um, again, if if things heal the way they that the doctors think, and so he could have a decision to make, you know, in August, do I do I want to go to camp with these guys? Do I feel good enough to play? Um, if he does, I think it's Kansas City or bust. I don't think he'd go yeah. anywhere else. And they still, Mike Remmers is still out there as we speak. They could bring Remmers back as insurance and a swing guy as well. So I, I think they will be in in pretty good shape up front. Um, but again. That's a team that didn't have a lot of cap space, and they found a way to give a guard $50 million in the first two years. Why? Because the owner is willing to give a guard $50 million over the first two years. And then all the numbers come down with the the fake years on the back end so you can prorate that money out and and get the cap number down. Um, I know how Andy Reid thinks, though, Jason. Andy Reid always wants – he's always – I mean, going back to his earliest days in Philadelphia – when he brought a bunch of offensive linemen in his first year. He needs one dog up front, one guy that sets the tempo every day in practice, whether it's 
you know, just kind of lighten somebody up on the defensive side. Um, coming out of that tunnel at Arrowhead, one guy that's going to lead the charge. And, you know, that's – I mean, Joe Dooney's going to line up. He started 90 straight games, James. Yeah. He doesn't miss games. And, you know, he's he's the consummate pro. I, I mean, he can play any position in the offense line. But to me, you just plug and play him right where he's been at left guard and keep the front of that offensive line, you know, flat so that Mahomes can step up and make those, you know, throws that entertains the entire world. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that'll be um, – I think they've probably checked a lot of boxes there in Kansas City, and they'll be drafting offensive linemen as well. Yeah. Right in that division, though, um, in Vegas, on paper last year and, and when Trent Brown was available – I mean, you know better than me, Baldy, but uh, a lot of guys who would have graded out very well at their offensive line position um, – from left tackle to right tackle, again, when their best five were there, which I get it. It, it wasn't all the time. You know, Gabe Jackson's gone for, uh, you know, a, a, a bottle of champagne. Um, they did get a three for Rodney Hudson, but still, that that's a guy who's um, one of the very best at what he does. They, they were able to bring Incognito back. Um, Trent Brown gets traded for two bottles of champagne. Mm-hmm. Boy, oh boy, Baldy. Um, and that's a team that has a ton of holes still on the defensive side of the ball. They haven't done really anything of note except for bringing in Yannick Ngakwe for what amounts to a one-year $13 million deal after he was effectively benched the final month of the season by the Ravens and barely played one of every three snaps. I I wonder how long Mike Mayock is for there. Uh, I wonder about how they get back to even where they were on paper last year from a roster standpoint, because they also haven't drafted very well. No, it is. Uh, it's a head scratcher. It's just a head scratcher. Uh, the strength of this team over the last two years, and I know Trent Brown was out and Richie Incognito, you know, had issues, whatever. Um, you know, they've, they've had some injuries, but to rebuild an offensive line, in an off season is probably the hardest thing to do in all the sports. And the strength of this whole team was when those five were healthy and Josh Jacobs was running and then the play action and what Waller can do, or what rugs might be able to do. I mean, they were a legitimate top 10 offense last year, even with the injury to Trent Brown for much of the season. Uh, Denzel good played well. They had different guys in there. Scott young, but this is a complete rebuilding project. Now, I think they like Andre James and, you know, and, and maybe they, you know, maybe he's a future at center for Rodney Hudson. So they're like, OK, let's make the move now. But until they do it, um, I know the way I broke them down in a bunch of my breakdowns two years ago when Josh Jacobs was a rookie and they ripped like good defense, like the Bears apart yes. right in the trenches. I mean, they just. Like they just they just took teams apart, and it was fun to watch, and they were really good at it. I I can't for the life of me imagine how they're going to redo this offensive line like this this offseason. And then I, I just I don't know what tape Mike's watching to give Solomon Thomas mm. like a deal up to five million dollars. I mean, they couldn't get him on the field no. in San Francisco, even with all the injuries. He never had a position. Um. I never like I know he was the was he the second pick in the draft, Jason? Yeah. The third yeah. Pick. 
Yeah. So it was definitely top top three. Yeah. So like I, he never ever came close to that ever. And like you're and you're gonna give you know, Quentin Jefferson and Yannick Agakwe was on three teams in in a yeah. year last year and wasn't productive anywhere. No. Ah, I, you know, and they're they're looking for pass rushers, and I'm okay. You're gonna line up Solomon Thomas and. You know, and Yannick, Max, Max Crosby, he'll, he'll try his ass off. He's not going to get home. Yeah, he's going to grow all effort guy. But I, they just they can't put a defense together, and they just keep shuffling players. And I don't know that they're getting any better up front. Can you tell me where Solomon Thomas is going to play? I, he, he can't brother, play. I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. I, he can I don't. play inside, Jake. When you have, you know, a healthy Nick Boza, I mean, he makes everybody better. Right. But you right. put, you know – uh, you know, some of the guys, Eric Armstead, whatever, you know, put those guys up there. You can put Solomon in there and let him go try his ass off. But, like, he he, he wasn't – Kerry Hyder was such a much better player. Yes, that's the guy I would have – oh, you took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, that, if I was signing someone from them, I'd yes. go sign Kerry Hyder. If I'm watching any 49er film, number – you know, Hyder jumps off the page at me way before Solomon Thomas does. So, I like, I don't know – the Raiders just, they don't look like they got better on paper. And they've been doing this now. This is the fourth straight year in yes. a row they've done this. Fourth year in a row. And the uh, perfect transition, the other thing they did, Baldy, by systematically dismantling their offensive line is they were one of the four teams that Russell Wilson was hot for. Okay. Um, but checking in with his camp now, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, not with you know a nice. Through, he's been going through that in Seattle. Like, why was yeah, he want to go? Yeah, no. Play? I mean, they got a nice left tackle there. You know what I mean? Miller, they drafted a few years ago, and everything else is a question mark. So, uh, unless John Gruden on the fly here, sometimes you know, between now and the draft, puts together an offensive line, Russell Wilson and his no trade clause won't. Uh, I can assure you, won't have interest in Las Vegas. Um, but Russell Wilson is someone who obviously. The Bears made a run at. A lot of other teams made calls on. Um, could he be dealt? Sure. Uh, it's looking less and less likely, Baldy, just because the Cowboys have done their thing with Dak Prescott, as expected. The yeah. Saints, as much as we hailed them for the moves that they've made to get where they are, bringing in Russell Wilson right now is probably a bridge too far. Um, and the Bears struck out and ended up signing Dalton instead. And as I just told you, the other of his four teams, um, the Raiders are, are, are frankly not on his list right now because of yeah. the way that roster looks. Um, but I don't think he's going to finish his career in Seattle by a long shot, Baldy. Nor do I think Deshaun Watson is going to finish his career in Houston. And I do continue to believe that Deshaun Watson will be dealt uh, by the draft. I do, too. I think Deshaun Watson, my, my guess, I mean, I'm sure that there's more than one team, but I know Carolina, David Tepper, yep. you know, has been on record um, for a while now saying the importance of the quarterback position um, and what that role has to be. He, I mean, he came out and said in all or nothing on uh, Amazon yeah. two years ago that I need a general manager, a coach, and a quarterback. Well, they take care of Scott Fitter, Fitter, the general manager, Matt Rule, a coach, and they're not looking for a stopgap quarterback. Um, you know, they're looking for the face 
of that organization for a long time to come. And I think there, I mean, I don't know what the compensation begins at. I just yeah. know this, that if I'm the powers that be in Houston, I'm Cal McNair, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Nick Casario, I'm David Culley. I know I'm huddling up. I'm doing a proverbial huddle here. And I'm going, look, Deshaun Watson has one of the great years that we've seen any quarterback have in recent history. And they won four stinking games. And so yeah. that and, and they don't have a first or a second round pick because they gave those away yep. a couple of players to help them get to four wins this year. So the holes are so vast. The rebuilding job is so like I can't imagine turning that thing around in two years. And that's really the time frame for almost any team in this league right now. They're more than two years away. And I'm saying if you get if you can get four first round picks, if you or, or some combination like sure. that, and players. Like, don't you have to do the deal? I, I agree, Baldy. I think someone will make them an offer they can't refuse. Um, I, I would continue to put Carolina atop that list. Uh, I would not rule the Philadelphia Eagles out either. They are exploring their options there. They are watching that closely, keeping tabs on the situation. Um, and they'll be prepared to pounce with four of the first 85 picks in this draft. Plus, we saw when they traded up for Carson Wentz, you know, they, they gave up, what, three first-rounders as part of a deal to move up a few spots to take Wentz. So future they ones. 13, they had two trades. They went from 13 to 8 and 8 to 2. Right back in 2016 to get that done. Right. So they are willing to be creative. They are willing to think outside the box. They don't have the cheap, young, impactful players still on their rookie deal like Carolina does with a Jeremy Chin or a Brian yeah. Burns who who would be very attractive to um, a rookie GM and Nick Casario. The Eagles don't have that kind of talent. But the Eagles also wouldn't be – they would try to find if, – if, if there was somebody else who Houston wanted – Unlike Chicago, who didn't get creative in their pitch for, for Russell Wilson, I don't think Howie Roseman's again, oh, you want that player? Okay, I'm going to go get that player, and then I'll be able to include that player in my pitch to get your quarterback. Um, I would certainly keep an eye on them. Um, the New England Patriots as well. Hmm. Baldy, he has more draft capital than he's had in a long time. Yeah. Obviously, Bill Belichick and Nick Casario know each other very well. They've already completed some trades, albeit you know minor. Um, but they've been involved in some transactions. Uh, the Cam Newton thing doesn't uh, doesn't preclude anything. No. Okay. It's a three three and a half million dollar real commitment. Um, yeah. So that's another situation that I would keep a very close eye on. Um, and San Francisco as well. I think they're going to have a harder time putting together the kind of packages that those other teams could. They don't have the draft capital. Um, they're not picking as high as some of those other teams. They're not. Uh, but if they wanted to include some of their young talent in it and kind of rob Peter to pay Paul, and they obviously have some some pretty good players on that defense still, uh, you know, I would just say you're dealing with some of the more forward-thinking front offices slash owners in those that that various pool of of potential suitors. You're right. You're for, right. For for Watson, and I do think somebody will put something on the table that Casario could take to the owner and say. Or really, I shouldn't say it's probably Jack Easterby could take to the owner and say, boss, here's here's why we got to do this. Well, there's one other quarterback out there that may influence some of this, Jason, and that's Sam Darnold. Because mm -hmm. the Jets really have done a very good job of not showing their hand in what they might do. They just 
They, they spent pretty freely on a couple of players in free agency, which they needed. Uh, you can't argue. I mean, Corey Davis had his best year ever in Tennessee. Yep. Uh, you could never really say, okay, Corey Davis with Marcus Mariota. Um, you know, that wasn't really fair because they just couldn't throw the ball. Right. Well right. But he did have a good year this year. And I loved Carl Lawson. Mm-hmm. I thought he was one of the top five free agents in this thing. So I, I, I respect what Joe Douglas has started. He has said, and you know Joe well, he has said that just because they had a lot of money to spend, they weren't just going to go have a spending spree. Right. Just right. They were going to be uh, a little bit, uh, a little Judicious. bit cautious yeah. about how they spent their money. They didn't want to get caught up in a lot of bad contracts like what Joe inherited. But there is Sam Darnold out there. And really, you know, when I look at Joe Douglas, uh, Jason, I I look at a guy that has been in two different organizations that have won Super Bowls on rookie quarterback contract deals. Mm -hmm. Joe Flacco and Carson Wentz. And there is tremendous value in getting a quarterback in the first round and having five years to build around. Now, you got to get the right guy. You got to get the right guy to build around, but they did it with Flacco. They did it with Carson, and you can you just have so much more ability to build a team around that quarterback on a rookie deal, where you're not committing you know twenty percent or twenty five percent of your cap to one player. So to me, that's something I know Joe is thinking about. I'm not you know spilling any beans here or anything like that, right? But it, it just makes sense, and so. Is Sam Darnold available for one of these teams that might think about, can I upgrade with a guy that might be able to do it? He gets a solid incomplete for me over three years because of everything that he's had to deal with. But he might be as good as anybody in this draft if, you know, if you put him in the right situation. No, I agree with you completely. Um, I, I can tell you that the intel that I'm picking up um, including conversations with numerous teams who pick high in this draft and mm-hmm. um, several teams who themselves are very much in the market to take quarterbacks. Uh, there is a growing consensus among those GMs that the kid from BYU is going to the Jets at number two. Um, yeah. They're starting to slot him in there. They're, 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 the, what they're gathering um, tells them that that's, you know, as they try to start shoring up the boards ahead of where they pick, uh, I hear uh, – that kid at two and Miami at three is very open to trading out. And I think ultimately we'll trade out. They want to, they don't want to drop down too far though. They want to, I don't see them dropping past 10 or 12 because they want to be able to get one of the top, either the LSU kid or the two Alabama receivers. They want to be able to come away with one of those receivers wherever they drop down. Um, But I I think Sam Darnold will be elsewhere. Um, There will be a market for him. Um, No doubt about that. I'm with you there completely before we move on to our final topic. One last thing, Jason, one last thing about this, because, you know, Washington signed, you know, Fitzmagic for his ninth team. Yeah. And, you know, obviously if you swing and miss on Dwayne Haskins at 15, the, the, the problem never goes away. You still need your franchise quarterback. But to me, it was one of the best signings of all the free agency to me. And here's what I'm thinking. Like they're building a beast on defense. William Jackson yes, can come in and play better. With that pass rush, William Jackson can be a Pro Bowl corner. Yes. He's long, he's fast, he's talented. Um, and he's with a defense that knows how to put a defense together. Yes. But the point is, to me, this rush to get your quarterback is 
it is not the way necessarily to go. Like Washington is gradually upgrading their talent everywhere. And so, especially on defense. And so by next year, they may be in a position to go make a move, to go get the quarterback, you know, because the team around whoever they put in there is just going to be so solid and so well coached. And I think that's really where teams are missing out right now. Just keep building yeah. your team. I mean, t- we didn't know it, but Tampa was a ready-made, built team. We knew they had talent, but we didn't really understand could the secondary really round itself out. We knew Devin White was a good player, but that front, the receivers, the way they – they just needed the guy in Tom Brady to put it all together. So, now I understand there's only one of those guys. But sure. to me, that's – if I'm a GM, I'm building my team. And if I get the quarterback, if the time is right – I'll take them. But even like Joe Douglas, like just keep building the team, keep building and getting better at every position. And when the quarterback is ready, either it arrives or it'll be time to play some showtime. Well, and look, I could tell you everything Washington's done. It does not take them out of the quarterback market in this, in this draft whatsoever. I know they have three there now, but they will cut Kyle Allen or whatever if they draft one. And we know Fitzy is great with young quarterbacks and helping them get their feet under them and whatever. So, whether it's Lance or whether it's Jones, if somebody's there on the board for them, that makes sense. Nothing they've done will stop them um, from making that move. I'm I'm with you entirely, Baldy. I like what they're doing. I had one more thing I wanted to ask you about, yeah. and you 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 got me there yet again. Um, so thank you for the easy transition. In the last five minutes, you've mentioned Carl Lawson and William Jackson. They are previously employed by the Cincinnati Bengals, who have $50 million in cap space, who have a first overall pick who looked like a world beater, who they got killed because they didn't protect them. They went five wide, empty set all the time, without an offensive line, without great blocking tight ends, and he was getting beat like a pinata every week, and nothing seemed to change, and then unfortunately, he got hurt. They had a franchise tag, Baldy, for... You could have put it on a corner for around fifteen million bucks. You could yeah. have put it on your emerging pass rusher for around fifteen million bucks. They went cheap. They didn't do it. They did, they thought Lawson was maybe a thirteen million dollar player. Carl Lawson got thirty million dollars guaranteed in the first two years of a of a deal, yeah. as many people thought he might. Yeah. William Jackson, depending how you want to slice it, either he or Shaq Griffin was the highest paid corner. In this class, we can, I don't. I don't want to get into all the minutia of the contracts, but he did. He did really well. Um, they kept neither of them. I know they bring in Trey Hendrickson, who I like. Boy, he had a nice season. He also played on a dominant defense on a fast track and a division where everybody, you know, or two teams really stunk. Um, he's a try-hard guy, right? No comparison between Carl. He, he's not a. He's not the developed pass rusher that Lawson is, right? He's a speed guy. If you yeah. scheme it up for him and he can come in, to me, he's like Ngakwe. If everything goes right and he can clean up the scraps on a really good defensive line, he'll pick up his sacks. Uh, that ain't Cincinnati. Uh, they gave him $16 million effectively for one year, but wouldn't put the tag on Lawson at 15. How the hell does that make sense? They, they, they lose Jackson and then they bring in you know, Mike Hilton, a nice corner, but he's not going to win for you on the outside. You're not going to put him against somebody else's best receiver and think you have a shot you know he can blitz he's he does some things maybe different better than jackson but you want to get better in march and free agency and you you know when you when you bring those two in to replace the players that you 
decided not to keep. Like you didn't get you got poor at each position. Your defense didn't get better. And they stunk to begin with. They had all this money. Just sign your own players and start addressing the offensive line, which they didn't do. And you know, and start building around your quarterback, but keep your elite players. To me, the teams feed off the Cincinnati Bengals and the Detroit Lions and the teams that just don't know how to do anything yeah. right. And they t- they just keep plucking their good players. And in essence, Cincinnati is a farm, it's a farm team. It's a farm system for all these other teams. Joe Douglas's Jets got better with Carl Lawson. They've been looking for a pass rusher. They've got one. I mean, you I compare him to Shaq Barrett when he left Denver to go to Tampa. Like this guy is going to be up there with 15 sacks or more. And you just can count on him. But he's a bigger, stronger Shaq Barrett. And so he was coming out of Auburn. He's a rocked-up kid. Um, like he, And he wants to be good. And he's got an array of moves to beat you. Like, that's a good signing by the Jets. But to, for the Bengals not to recognize that and not keep their own as they try to build around Joe Burrow, who knows so much. Like I, I don't, you know. Baldy, it, it, it blows my mind. They drafted him. He played well. He blew his knee out. They they pay him to rehab. He comes back the last eight weeks of the season. If you look at any advanced metrics, his pressure per drop back. And Baldy, he was the only dude in the front seven you had to worry. Like, block him and we're okay, right? Yeah. Uh, Reader, Reader never played. He got hurt. Mike Daniels never played. Uh, Atkins was a shell of his former self. They traded Dunlap, and then he looked good in Seattle. And then it's like one dude and he's, yeah. he was wrecking it. Well, he, he, he was, it, with you know, if you look, just look at quarterback hits, I mean, only TJ Watt had more quarterback hits last year than Carl Lawson. And so, I mean, I don't get don't it. Any metric. I don't care about the number of sacks. I mean, that guy consistently right. crushes a pocket consistently. And if you look at some of the tackles that he beat, I mean, uh, he beat, you know, Alejandro Villanueva so bad. He beat Jason Peters so bad. I mean, he was a one-man record crew in a bunch of those games. Yeah. Anyway, just had to get that off my chest. I'm glad yeah. we're simpatico on that. I, I don't <laughs> mean I, – I can't figure that out. I don't out understand it. I don't know how you look at your own – like, these teams are – they recognize my – you know, whether you're Tampa, you know, I mean, some of these teams, they just recognize. We got to – look, We don't, let's just take care of our own. Right. Let's, you know, sign our own guys. Make sure that we don't let them leave because they're good players. We drafted them and they've dealt, we developed them, and now they're good players. Let's keep them. Yeah. Strange, strange doings. Yeah. Um, well, Baldy, there, there is still value to be had before we go here. This is when a lot of teams do some of their best work. Like we're, we're talking about Belichick and all the money he spent. I can remember a couple years ago where three, four days into free agency, he signs Lawrence Guy from Baltimore. Lawrence Guy's been his best defensive lineman since he brought him in. Um, you know, this is where they would find guys like Van Noy the first time around, mm-hmm. um, you know, either through trade or, or still on the street, and people don't know exactly what he is. Uh, I, I think that this is where, you know, some very good teams might find a guy or two to put them over the top without sacrificing their cap. Yeah, no, I, look, I mean, I, I mentioned Kerry Hyder. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you, like Nick Boza goes down. Kerry Hyder had an unbelievable season. And he played a high volume of plays. Uh, he led the 49ers in sacks, quarterback hits, pressures, tackle for losses, every category. He was, and he plays all effort. And he's always been that guy coming out of Texas Tech. Like he's out there and you don't, 
like I, I said, like I called him a bargain free agent. I didn't want to diminish his value. I mean, he's going to be a rotational player someplace, and you're going to get great value for him. And if you lose a starter like the 49ers did, and Nick Bosa, nobody's going to be Nick Bosa in his Right. But you've got a, a, a really good, solid player that you could count on every week. So like those kind of players, to me, are out there, and they're not going to you know, get big signing bonuses or anything. But when you line up on you know, the weekend after Labor Day next year, like they're going to help you win football games. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, by the time we uh, commence again to talk some football, I am sure there are several of these second and third wave of free agent signings that we're going to want to highlight because there is uh, still value out there. And at this point, um, Baldy is a former player. You know, it's it's take it or leave it time, right? It's here's look, here's your million. Here's your two million. If you don't want it, we're going to go to somebody else at your position group and, and, and they're going to take it. Well, here's the thing, Jason, like as a guy, like I was involved with limited free agency, which just getting started when I played, but I filed it since 1993 when, you know, Reggie White, you know, mm-hmm. got big money to go to Green Bay, whatever. Like, you know, for a lot of these guys, and you just look at the guys that just got cut um, and released this week, whether it's Kevin Zeitler or whatever. I mean, it was great signing by Baltimore to me, yes. but you know, you could price yourself out of this business real fast and it's great. Like that's what the signing bonus is all about. Okay. You put the money away and you're, you're set for a long time. But, you know, for a lot of these guys that want to, you know, instead of playing seven years, have a chance to play 12, just keep yourself priced in the business, you know, and stay in the league. And so, like, a lot of these secondary contracts, it might be, you know, for $2 million or whatever it is, it's good money, great money. But, like, just keep yourself employed. And don't be one of those guys that are just going to be a, a cap casually next year because you just chased the money and didn't look at the, the opportunity, the team, how the teams are built, because a lot of these teams, like they're just going to be in salary cap hell because they don't know what they're doing. And, you know, you end up having to get cut. And while you got your signing bonus, you know, you're on the street. And then you're playing for, you know, a lot less money just trying to get a job. And I think some guys, look, the money is great if you can get it. I'm not going to ever tell somebody to forego that. But sure. sometimes you got to look a little bit more than just the money. I'm with you, Baldy. I am with you. Well, this has been the latest edition of Baldy's Breakdowns. We thank you guys, as always, for listening. You can find me uh, at Jason Lockenfora on Twitter and Baldy at Baldy NFL on Twitter. And and again, um, continue to subscribe, follow us, um, give us feedback, and uh, rate, review us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcast. And we will reconvene in uh, another week or two to continue to uh, go through what will be a uh, fascinating offseason and um, eventually start previewing a little bit of the draft, which is closer than you think. Baldy, it's been a blast as always, brother. I look forward to doing this again soon. Likewise, Jason. Likewise, man. Great stuff. And uh, the news just keeps on coming. (laughs) You don't have to convince me, brother. (laughs) 